Yes. So, so, so I've thrown so many things at you today. And that's why what Pastor Abike said is so important. Get the app. It's free. You don't pay anything for the app. Just go to your app store. Type in W-O-C-F-A-N, work friend. It comes up. Install it. You got all the messages. Every message that we ever preach in this house are on there. And it's absolutely free. Which means when you're riding your car, through your smartphone, you can listen to them. You don't have to buy another tape anymore for the rest of your life. This is one of those everlasting days, forever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> it's available. By tonight, what you're hearing now will be on there. After we say amen, in 15, 20 minutes, it's on there already. So, you have it. And it's free. What else can you, I mean, what else can you ask for? Professor, what else can we? You just have to believe. You just have to believe. <laughs> Pastor Shred, go ahead. I think um, the, the gospel is so simple, like Pastor is preaching. And when, when we look at John 3.16, just that verse all by itself says a lot. I know it's, it's the most popular scripture. You know, you watch a football game, people write it all over the place. What does it say? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes, whosoever believes in him shall not perish or shall not perish, but have, have yep. eternal life. Have. So, Present continuous. it would help us to see that Jesus came to give us something that is called eternal life. But basically, what is eternal life? Eternal life, the scripture says in John chapter 1, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? So, eternal life is something that he has. Well, where did he get it from? He got it from his father. John 5, 24 says, as the father has life in himself, so has he given the son to have life in himself. And now, so the son comes along now and says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But how do we get to that life? By simply believing uh, John 3.16. Right? So when you believe, it is not just a matter of we are saved from, we are saved from our sins. It's that there is a deposit made. And what is that deposit? The very life and nature of Jehovah, of God. Amen. Father. So now we become what? Well, like the, like my pastor was saying earlier, um, John one twelve, and uh, as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the power to become, to become what sons of God. Well, why are you the son of God? Because the same life in God that came through Jesus is in you as a son. Absolutely. And I think that's where the emphasis has been misplaced in the church for so long. We are so much focused on the sins, on the acts of sin, on, the, on, on the deeds, what, we, what people do, yeah. and not emphasizing what they have. Ooh. And then mama, mama, wait, don't, don't say it so fast. My God. Yes. Did you hear that? It is a dollar. My goodness. Now, that's a fact. Please, just take a pause there for a second. That's a fact. Because the truth is, 
when you look at the collective years that all of us have spent in church, we hear more messages about what we can lose than what we already have. I know I have. That, that's what I, that's what I mean. It scared the daylights out of you. Wow, that is so good. Nobody has taken the time over a period of time to teach us about how to use what we have versus trying to keep something that you're going to lose. Very good emphasis. Go ahead, sir. And, and so, and so, and all of that mm. is couched in that word belief. Mm. That's it. And so anything else is adding to the scriptures. Anything else is adding to our salvation because the belief is the platform. Now, what, it, what is that like? In First John chapter 3, it says in verse um, 9, actually, he says in verse, in verse 8, he says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, do we believe that? So are the works of the devil, <laughs> do I believe that the works of the devil are destroyed in me? If I don't believe that, and then I, I, I keep hearing preachers talking about sin, that's, I'm going to have faith for that. And now I'm struggling not to do that, not believing that the works of the devil in my life has been already been destroyed. Amen. Why? Because the next verse says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, not sins. Yep. Yep. That's right. And that was what Pastor was saying. Yep. Sin Singular. is unbelief. Yeah. But the unbelief is, 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 is gotten rid of by what you received, by what we received, which is what? The life of God. Amen. And I, I, I believe that if we, if the church will emphasize the life of God, because surely, surely, as God is sitting on his throne right now, the same life, now, okay, let, let me say this in a different way. The same life that is in God, right at this very hour, is in us who believe. Absolutely. So then, so then why, do we, why, why are we so sin conscious? Because we're not that life conscious. Oh my God. Woo! Why are we so sin conscious? And the answer is because we are not life conscious. End of story. End of story. That's what I'm saying to us. The more grace of God we get in us, the less, pop, the less possibility of me getting to sin. Huge. Because the life of God negates that in me completely. The truth of the matter is, and I need to move away from here because it's 4 36 already. When you are thinking of sinning, is it in those high moments when you're just lost in God? Think about that in your own experience. In those moments when you are lost in God, are you thinking of fornication? Absolutely not. You're so consumed with the presence of God, you can't think of anything else. Now think of you being able to live in that way all of the time. It's incredible. It's available. The issue is, do we have faith to believe it? Wow. Now let's go now and address 
very specifically our foundation. Because Psalms 24 says, if the foundation be destroyed, how can the righteous stand? You know the reason you and I are having this much struggle? I'm going to tell us. The reason we're having this kind of struggles we're having right now is because for many of us, our foundation is absolutely shaky. Okay, let me say it in a different way. How did we get born again? How did we get born again? Now, I'm not insinuating or implying that you are not born again. That's not what I'm saying. So let me take that off the table right off the bat. I don't want you to uh, pull brakes on me. I'm not contending or challenging your salvation. No, God forbid. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm asking you, what was the process by which you got it or attained it? Huge. Let me go to scriptures. Because nobody builds a foundation and just leave the house and go away unless you live in Nigeria. <laughs> you go to cities and you see foundations all over the place. I don't know if the owner just forgot that they had a foundation and they just gone. I don't know what happens. But the foundation is for the purpose of completing the building. And therefore, what I'm, cha- what I'm challenging us to inspect is how or by what means did we attain our salvation? There is only one way to get born again. This is the bomb now. Pastor Davis, Doug, another bomb is coming. Only one way to get born again. And I'm just as guilty on this as anybody else in the past. Only one way. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. How? For whosoever do what? Confess their sins? Now, when I keep on harping on these sins, please understand me. I'm not advocating for sin. It's just like he said, we have been so invested in the sin issue, it needs to be debunked. But the Bible clearly says the only way to get born again is by believing on him. And after... November, when God opened my eyes, and I went back to scripture and began to look at the examples of being born again according to scriptures. Because in my earlier years, I was predominantly an evangelist, and we had crusades all over the world. And I saw myself making altar calls in stadiums, in conference centers, all over this world. And the prayer was the same. We called it the sinner's prayer. And our goal and intent is not to get people to believe God, but to confess their sins. When did I become a Catholic priest for which people come and give confession? Find it from in the scriptures. 
Ooh, it's a holy horse in here. My goal as an evangelist, repeat after me. I'm a sinner. I confess my sins. I believe Jesus, Jesus died for my sins. And absolute nonsense. I can do this book. So if my entrance to the kingdom of God was prededicated, predicated on my sins and being uh, and harping and majoring on sins. Of course, after I'm born again, what am I going to build on? That's the problem. And God is saying, don't confuse the people. Just offer them salvation as simply as I've given it. The only criteria for being in the kingdom of God is believing on the Son of God. End of story. Okay, okay. Let's go to scriptures. Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, like my brothers would say in Nigeria, the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> they want you to know that they didn't write up. This is the Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Let's start in chapter 8. Verse 36. Acts 8 verse 36. Now as they went down the road they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you confess your sins and stop homonging and stop fornicating and stop stealing. Is that what he said to him? Absolutely not. Then Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. End of story. Born again instantly. Where's the drama? We have to confess our sins, the sins my father committed, the things the ones my grandfather committed that I was not around. I confess all of them to a preacher, and they say, Now you are born again. I doubt it if they're really born again. Because they've not believed in the Son of God. They have good intentions, but they've been misled by us. Are you guys did you did I write it? Did you see that? Why are you guys looking at me so funny now? Please. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is at Cornelius house. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who confessed their sins, who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So the point I'm making here is, when now Paul, Peter, Peter is preaching, and who knows, maybe he will have made a call like I used to make. But God did not even let him get there. They were hearing the word. They were believing what they were hearing. 
and Holy Ghost immediately. So when did they get a chance to confess their sins? The sins that we tie people down, we just rope them in. You need to confess them. If you don't, God will forgive you. Who told you that? This is the book of Acts. One more. Actually, two more. Acts 16. This is so clear. I have to be absolutely a lunatic to read anything else in this one. Acts 16, verse 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. So they said, Confess your sins, your father's sins, your grandfather's sins, and every demonic house where you eat. Is that what they said? No. Verse 31. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved, but not only that, and your household. It's so simple. I mean, where do we get this? I mean, I used to do this. I'm telling you, this was my job. <laughs> and now, seriously, and now I'm wondering, where did I get it from? Who taught me that? Yeah, but it, I'm telling you, I used to do it myself. And I, I, until this day, I cannot remember where I got it from. But I did, did it beautifully, with pride and with joy. And I said, ah, 91 people came to Jesus today. We're going to write a new, another newsletter. 91 decisions for Christ. Did they really decide for Christ? They may have had good intentions to do so, but I question now the veracity of their salvation. Because I added something else to what God asked of them. Simple. What must I do to be saved, Pastor Body? Please tell me. Believe. It's as simple as that. On, not on Muhammad, on the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. It's as simple as that. That is what makes this the good news. There are not 13 steps to salvation. It's a lie. Only one step. But we have created many other steps to make it complicated because the more complicated it is, the more you need me. You have to need me. I'm the bishop in the house. You all line up. You need to see me. I'm the, source, I'm, 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 I'm the source of a salvation. Come, come, yeah, come ask me the hard questions. It's terrible. Come and kiss my ring. Thank you. Are they kissing your ring in Baltimore? <laughs> oh, is it your cross they are kissing? Which one are they kissing? You give them a choice. You can kiss the cross or kiss the ring. Which? <laughs> no, but seriously. How do we get it so complicated? One more. Romans 10.9. Romans 10, 9. We can start from verse 8. But what does it say? 
the word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why do we get them to confess with their mouth? That is how they activate their faith. To say what they believe. They are not confessing with their mouth, oh man, I robbed the bank, 10,000 naira. That's not, what they, that's not what they're saying. They're not confessing with their mouth what they have done wrong to their neighbor. No. They are making a confession of faith. They said, I believe. I, Bank Akimala, voluntarily declare without any coercion. I'm declaring for all to hear, I've made a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. End of story. So this is the foundation. And the reason I went here is because if you miss this, you miss how grace functions in your life. So once you have a belief system, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you are born again. For the rest of your life now, as you embrace the love of God and the grace of God and the blessings of God in your life, it is the same belief that helps you activate it. It's it. That's it. My only response to the grace of God is believe. That's it. So, do we get this about belief? Is it clear? Ah, I don't think it's clear. Is it clear? You have to believe. And not only having to believe, we have to believe only. Believe me away. And when you read, the, and we're going to get into John maybe on Thursday, because far, time is far gone. We can't get into the book of John now. It's amazing. Even Jesus, in talking to folk, all through the book of John, he just says, all you need to do is believe in the Lord. And say, I believe. End of story. Now, don't lose your thought, professor. I have to make a good distinction on what belief means. Because it's so simplistic. Is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple, but it's also very profound. This is the profoundness of belief. It's, just, it's not just a mental ascent to say I believe in some historic Jesus the carpenter who went to the cross. No. That kind of belief does not bring result. When the Bible talks of belief or believing, it's using the Greek word pistio. Which means believing in such a way that I lean my entire weight upon. So now, it's taken away from the realm of intellectualism to a heart experience. When I say I believe on the Lord Jesus, I'm saying, come hell or waters, no matter what happens. I am in and I am done. I'm going to lean my weight, everything I have on the person of the Jesus Christ. Is that how we believe? 
Let me give you a true story. Let me tell you a true story. Grand Canyon. I don't remember the year. Acrobat crossed the canyon on tightrope. Niagara Falls. No, not Grand Canyon. I'm sorry. Niagara Falls. From one end to the other. Walked on the tightrope. Tightrope. To the applause of many people. Wow! Awesome display. Wonderful. And then they asked him the question, do you believe, do you guys believe I can do this? They said, yeah, we believe, we believe you can do it. So, he crossed the first, went through the first crossing. He said, I'm going to do it again. This time, pushing a wheelbarrow. Do you all believe I can do it? Yeah, you can do it. And so truly, he, got, he pushed the wheelbarrow all the way back. And to the frenzied applause of the crowd. They are just a wow. We've never seen it done just quite like this. So, on the third crossing, do you guys still believe I can use this wheelbarrow? Absolutely. We believe. Yeah. In answer to them, which one of you will volunteer and get in a wheelbarrow while I push it? I'll cross it. <laughs> you all say you believe on me. Which one of you will volunteer and sit in the wheelbarrow while I push back for a third time? Nobody volunteered. What does that mean? None of them believed him. So I ask you the question again. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because when we say believe, and the reason I'm doing this, now you can appreciate because if you've not paid the price to really believe him, then the things we're talking about, fornication, adultery, you still take it for granted. But when you understand what that life is and you have and you have embraced it and the the day-to-day transaction that you get as a result of that life it's a totally different ball game do we believe on him do we believe on him there's this man ah, i don't remember his name now he works for lead like jesus ministry Awesome guy, tremendous experience with God, appreciates the presence of God, and he became sick. Was dying. True story. And his office staff, his families were praying for his healing. And he stopped them. He said, You guys stop cursing me. You guys are trying to stop me from going to where I've been preparing to go for all these years. God loves me so much, I want to be with him. Now, that's believing in a totally different perspective. Because me and you are pinning belief, God, please heal this man so he can stay here. I'm stuck with Terra Pharma. And the guy is saying, wait, 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 listen. This man that is so much in love with me, this God that has loved me so much that I'm learning and gleaning from him on a daily basis, Please, let me get the heck out of here. Now you can appreciate Paul. I don't know what to do. I'm torn between two opinions, Paul says. For me to die is what? Gain. But for me to live is Christ. Paul said it. He was a human being. So, but he cannot say that if he didn't believe something that is tangible. 
So what I'm saying to us is what I'm challenging us is how tangible is your belief? Because you'll be tested. That was the essence of Job's testing. Is Job's belief system based on the health and wealth gospel? Or is it based on a real relationship with God? Because now this is the other side that we don't like to talk about that. And I'm, I'm spending the time on this because you need to know that. It's not just a mental belief. No. It has to go from being mental to being real. Being able to lean your weight and say, God, if you don't pay this mortgage, if you're going to take the house, they take it. I will not take the option of going to the bank. Or whatever the case is. Maybe it's a car, a bicycle, whatever it is. That's how you test your believism. God, if you don't deliver me, I'll go down. But when I go down, I'm going with you. That was the case with the three boys. Oh, king, we do not care to answer you in this matter. Oh, hallelujah. But we trust our God that is able to deliver us. And if he doesn't, so be it. That's belief. That's belief. Is that where you and I are? Because I don't want to just leave you with a very rosy scenario and you live here believing and you don't understand the distinction between mental belief and real heart. That's where the rubber meets the road. Where we come to the reality of say, God, yes, I truly trust you. I believe you without any qualification, no matter what happens. I become president, or I become janitor. It doesn't matter. I've learned to be abased and to be abound. Circumstances around here will not determine how I believe what you've done for me. If we are not able to come to that point, forget it. Don't ever say you believe. You don't believe. You don't believe. You don't believe. In fact, I want to dare to say your born again experience is not real. I'm sorry. I'm throwing all kinds of things at you today. But that's just the way it is. I've got to speak truth. That's where God has to bring all of us to. Because that's the kind of believism that changes the world. That's it. Ah, come on, man. In those days, Archbishop Benson in Dahosa, it's not what they told me. I saw it. Get into a stadium. Rain is coming. It stands there, rain, I hold you until this crusade is over. And just as soon as you finish speaking, the class rolled back and sunshine came back. Listen, I didn't read it. This is a fact. He finished preaching after three hours. As he was about to get in his car, he said, rain, you can come now. After he got in his car, everybody else was drenched with rain. What would prompt a human being to make such a declaration? Is this something you read in the book? No. He believes something bigger than him. And on the basis of that belief, he made the declaration publicly to everybody that had ears to hear. It will not rain until I finish. And the clouds just went like, 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 
like, how, how do I describe this? Just zoom, and sunshine came. And he's getting in his car, and said, thank you, Father, now rain can come. And he picked up his, uh, waved this thing like this, got in the car, they closed the door, all the rest of us, we were running for shelter. <laughs> rain came down like it's never rained before for years. Absolutely. So I don't want to leave us with some uh, low-hanging food. I believe it. I just with my head. I just say I believe. I, I, if I can just report the word I believe, that's a, no. It does not satisfy it. Because God will make sure you swallow what you just said. A situation will come up that will show you clearly you believe in the Bank of America than you believe in Him. Because when you believe in him, you say, I'm going to go down. Yes, sir. Let's go. Do you understand this, what I'm saying? Does it make any sense? Are there any questions now on, being, on, on believing? Do you understand it now? That's the, total, that's, the, that's the two sides of belief. It's not just a mental, simplistic word say, I believe. I believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh-uh. It is that simple, but it's very profound. What you are saying is, And that's why the saints of old were willing to die. They were willing to die. Peter said, no, I'm not worthy to go to the cross the same way Jesus did. Turn me upside down. Hebrews 11, read it. Many of the saints, they were begging not to be delivered. They were begging not to be delivered. Because the life of the, of, of the other kingdom, of the other age, was much more desirous for them than what they have here. Now, please, I'm not saying to be fatalistic and go and stand before you can and say, please run over me. <laughs> please, please. That's, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not asking to do that. But I'm not saying to us, we must be hungry to get to that place. Yes, Prof. So, the question I have is uh, when you think about belief, is yes. it all or nothing uh, concept? Hmm. This is what I mean by that. You know, That's um, good. Uh, do I get a dollar for that? <laughs> <laughs> so now I need to question your motivation for asking the question. <laughs> now so um, you know because you, you we read areas in the Bible that lame man that Jesus went to yes, and to whom Jesus said that do you believe? He said yes I believe but help my unbelief. Correct. So that's why I'm questioning is the belief an all or nothing? Uh, and also there's a passage in the Bible that says that if you have faith as little as mustard seed, yes. you can say to this mountain Yes. So if you, know, it's, you have little faith or yes. So that area is a little confusing. No, okay. I hear you and I, 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 we can clarify that. We grow in our faith. We grow in our faith. And God understands that. The, the point is, he loves me and accepts me the way I am, but he does not expect me to remain the way I am. Did you understand that? He loves me enough to accept me just as I am. But absolutely, it's dealing in my life. You're coming for something. 
So yes, I grow in my belief. How does that happen? I believe I get born again. And by appropriating life and the things God's given me through his life, I begin to see changes. Wow, this thing is real. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. And then you get more. You get hungry for more. And you draw near more and more and more. And before you know it, a year, two years back, you're a totally different person. But not only that, people around you will recognize it. So yes, we grow. We grow in faith. That's what happens. Amen? Anyone else? Can we just take a 10 minute break? And then we'll come back and close it out. It's 5.05. Can we come back at 5.15? 10 minute break. You don't want to take a break, Grace? The way you're looking. During the break, I was just thinking, pondering on this issue of belief and the confession unto salvation. And I just want, I just, uh, want to throw this out as to why God, um, res- res- why God is doing this the way he's done it. Think about it this way. Uh, this should make sense to us. Under the law, how do people get their sins expunged or taken care of? They had to do something, right? They had to bring a sacrifice. So by so doing, what were they really doing? They can go home, relieved, and say, ah, thank God. I sacrificed, and therefore I'm forgiven. Does that make sense? I've been to the temple, I offered an oxen, a bullock, a, a ram, and because of my offering, therefore I'm now forgiven. So in some sense, those Old Testament saints can claim their, some of their work got them their forgiveness. So in the new covenant, Ephesians 2.8, for what? By grace are you saved. Not of works. Why? Because God does not want anyone to boast. You must think, why would he use that language? Obviously because in the Old Testament, those guys, they'd be on their way home. Ah, Melvin, you don't know what happened today. I took a big bullock. As a result of that, since I've taken care of, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm, I'm relieved, I'm forgiven. Because of what? So people must have been saying that to one another. And Paul, being an Old Testament lawyer, was aware of that prevalent thinking where people on the basis of what they did received forgiveness and boasted about it. So under grace, it says, you are saved by grace through faith. Not of works. But it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Therefore, when I'm getting born again, the only thing God requires of me is not me doing something or but just responding to something. Because now, if I go back to confess my sins at my salvation, then I can say my confession and my salvation. I confess my sins and therefore I'm saved. Which is totally, really inaccurate. Because before I confessed it, I was already forgiven. So the only thing he's looking for is my response to what he has already done. Not asking me to do anything else. 
Now, I don't want to demean or diminish any organization or any church or anything like that, but the Catholic Church today, they are right back in the Old Testament. They don't kill bullocks. They don't offer oxen, but I have to go before a priest and do what? Confession. And after having confessed to the priest, I feel like now I'm relieved because I've confessed it to him. It's back to works. So if I don't go to confession, my sins remain. We're back to square one. So that may be some of the reason for which God said, all I need for you to do is just respond to me in faith. Believe. And to professor's question about progressive believing, progressive faith, me and Dr. Ayani was just speaking during a break time. And the Bible gives us a very good understanding of that from scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David killed the lion and the bear. And when he saw the Goliath, no problem. But the Goliath was not a problem because God had already walked through him to kill the lion and the bear. And he said, the same God that took care of the lion and the bear, you uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine, you'd be nothing for God. So he was able to have a point of reference from what God has done in the past to expect and anticipate what God will do in the future. That's why we need to build on our faith and constantly remind of ourselves of what God is doing and how it's using us to do it.